You're listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. I'm your host, Justin Vakula. This is episode 93, Leah Goldrick on Overcoming Sickness. We talk about the current pandemic, how Leah recovered from the disease, and how Stoicism was helpful in her recovery. We recorded our conversation at the end of May during shelter-in-place in both New Jersey and Pennsylvania, the two states we're recording from. Please excuse the slight background noise on Leah's end as I wasn't able to edit all of it. I'm also avoiding the use of a certain virus starting with the letter C, at least in the episode description and title, because YouTube is demonetizing content. Find Leah's work at commonsenseethics.com, where you can read her blog posts, visit her YouTube channel, and find her on social media. Leah has also authored numerous pieces for modernstoicism.com dating back to 2016. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com for past episodes and social media links. Support my efforts through Patreon to receive special perks, including having upcoming guests answer your questions, custom-made podcast episodes, and private one-on-one calls to discuss whatever you'd like. Visit my other podcast at hurdygurdytravel.com to learn how to make money, save money, and travel the world at next to no cost with credit card rewards, deals, and loyalty programs. On with today's episode. All right. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Justin. Thank you for having me. How did you first discover Stoicism? I think the first time I heard about it was when I was reading Nietzsche, like when I was in high school. <laughs> I think Nietzsche was kind of a critic of the Stoics, actually. Yeah, but then it um it sort of lay dormant for 20 more years or, well, maybe 15 more years. And then I started getting into it again right around the time I launched my blog, I guess, so around 2013. I studied philosophy in college. Like, I got one of my BAs in philosophy, but um, I never really studied stoicism, you know, per se. But yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I just kind of got back into it, um, you know, as an adult, as the philosophy seemed helpful. Was there a particular appeal? So just like ancient philosophy in general, out of the Western, you know, traditions, like, well, the out of Western philosophy, really, like the only kind of thing that's sort of focused on sort of um, internal growth and you know um not just sort of analytic topics is really is ancient philosophy so i guess there lies the appeal and what we're mainly to talk about today is it very much came to use there's some naysayers of philosophy oh it's just academic you're in an ivory tower but how do you ever use it in real life but for you you've had quite the application as you became sick during this pandemic so my husband was exposed to a coronavirus case at work like we later found that out right before the shutdown, like right before the lockdown. So right around the time that Trump declared a state of emergency, I think March 13th. So I don't know, we didn't start showing any symptoms for like a maybe a week after that. Then like my kids were my kids had pink eye, you know, which is actually kind of a lesser known symptom of it, especially in kids, they kind of had a runny nose, they had a fever that sort of came and went once or twice. My son was his symptoms were really mild. Um, so he was actually the least sick out of all of us. But my husband, I guess he started getting shortness of breath, like he said from the beginning. I just kind of got like a sore throat. I had like a mild cough. 
I guess around day, my husband, like shortness of breath just got worse. And around day 12, he ended up going to the emergency room. He was like released after about 12 hours, which was really fortunate. Then like a couple of days after that, even though it had been almost a month since we contracted it, my daughter, who is one, she's about to turn two actually this week. She, um, she had like a high fever for like, I think four days. And her pediatrician like said, I had to take her either to the emergency room or the urgent care after that like if she kept running a fever but like fortunately that was really scary so fortunately her fever broke yeah on the fourth day and then she's been fine ever since so this whole time i was like i had a sore throat and by the by the time that happened it had pretty much gone away and then it came back and then i started getting like a a low-grade fever right so this is like a month into symptoms for me i got a low-grade fever so i had a really bad sore throat and low-grade fever for like four days and I went to the urgent care. They're like, you don't have strap. You probably just have a virus. So I was like, great. Well, what virus? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, do you think I have coronavirus? I'm like, because my family might have had, you know, my husband tested negative. But there was actually a study recently in, um, I guess it's Annals of Internal Medicine that said the more days you go out from contracting it, you know, from like originally being exposed to it and getting it, the higher the percentage of like a false negative, mm-hmm. you know? So like basically after 20 days, it was like 60, 70% chance of testing negative. So all of us, he was tested and my daughter was tested like way late, way late, three to four weeks out from, you know, when we originally think we got it. I guess you're most contagious at the very beginning. So that there's been a lot of confusion about that. And that's like another thing that's been difficult about this whole thing is that this is so new that there's just the information is it's either not there or it's conflicting. After I had the low grade fever for four days, then that went away. But then I started getting shortness of breath. And for the first like week and a half, I had, yeah, the fever and the shortness of breath and I could barely eat. I couldn't eat like hardly anything for like a week and a half. I lost like 10 pounds and it was awful. I was like basically bedridden. Like my husband was sort of, he had been basically bedridden since he'd been in the hospital. Like his shortness of breath was worse than mine. Um, although our oxygen saturation was normal the whole time. We had like, we have a pulse oximeter. It's this little thing that clips onto your finger and tells you like your heart rate and oxygen saturation. So that was really good to have. But like for him, he was still recovering. And this had been like, you know, weeks after he was back from the hospital, he was still recovering. So anyway, but by the time I got sick, he was a little better, which thank God, because we have two young children. Mm -hmm. They just are an incredible amount of work, even under the normal conditions. You know what I mean? Anyway, we just had to keep them upstairs with us most of the day, like if we were in bed Um, and they would play their toys, you know, play with their toys upstairs and stuff. So finally... I guess I could start eating again. So I, my appetite returned. So that was very, was so great when that happened. Cause I was really worried, you know, about all the weight I'd lost at that point. And then the shortness of breath kind of started getting better. It came and went for a while. And this was about a month ago. At this point, I'd say my husband and I are probably 90% recovered. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we've been to the pulmonologist and stuff, you know, just to sort of get, you know, checked over, but it's just, it takes a long time. This is like, this is another thing that I don't, I don't think a lot of people know is that like, cause it says on like this, the CDC website expect to be better in two to three weeks. So it can be much longer. Like there's people in Italy have been saying, you know, 11 weeks, 12 weeks, like wow. they still have some lingering. Yeah. Yeah. Even for um, mild, moderate cases, it's just cause it involves the lungs or it can involve, you know, it can involve the whole body. It just, it takes a long time. 
you know, it's like like pneumonia, you know. Yeah, with something new, you're right. There there just isn't as much information, lots of uncertainty, lots of misinformation, so who knows what to think. And in your yes. case, it wasn't just the catastrophizing when you were actually seeing some of these things lining up where there's just a higher probability of actually having it versus, oh, maybe I do, or maybe this, maybe that. Well, our doctors were like, sure that we have it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, well, basically the tests don't really mean anything. Like they're not, especially like, you know, you tested late and they're not accurate, that accurate. And I don't know, basically both like general practitioner and um, pulmonologists all, because there's really not much else that has these same symptoms except for like other viral pneumonias. But most of them are like um, for little kids, like they, they're, they're common in little kids and like older people. Not for like middle, you know, like I'm 39, like it's not common for, for me to, for someone my age to get pneumonia at all, let alone a, like a viral pneumonia, you know? Were there particular passages from Stoic authors or themes within Stoicism that helped you through this experience? Well, it was helpful to sort of focus on the present, especially when my husband went to the hospital, you know, I'm like, I'm, I can't think ahead. I can't ruminate about what's going to happen. I just need to focus on what's actually happening. And that was helpful when my daughter was sick too. But when my daughter was sick, I kept thinking um, of the Marcus Aurelius pa- passage. Um, I see that my child is sick, that he is in danger. I do not see, you know, it was really common for people, for people's children to die in infancy or childhood. Right you know, in the ancient world. And so he had that passage basically, like, basically, I would imagine that every time it's, it's even now, it's really can be terrifying when your child is sick. But back then, I can think it would be even worse. Right. But yeah, that one kept going through my through my head. Yeah, there's this thought of we're just going to do what we can now that we're going to accept things the way they are. And of course, we, we don't want to get sick. We don't wish to take on these ailments. But this is just the fact of life. So how are we going to deal with it and deal with it? Well, there's this thought of if we're just going to abandon our duty as a parent, that's not going to be a, a good thing. I, I remember a lot of passages like that where it's like, oh, well, my child is sick, so I'm just going to flee and not deal with it. That that would be abandoning your role as a caretaker for sure. Yeah. Well, that didn't cross my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because this is a new virus, it's just way more terrifying than something that we, you know the symptoms and progression and the you know more or less the prognosis and everything yeah i mean it turned out it could have it turned it could have turned out much worse you know i'm mindful of that and everything um but when i was sick myself let me say it was like i i I don't know i can't think of any verses that i was really that i was really using but i did have some techniques that i used if you want me to touch on that some of them are stoic and some of them I think less so, but basically, I mean, just, I was try try to focus on the good, like think about the improvements yeah. that I'd made. The thing that was really dispiriting about having this and like, you know, disheartening about it was that the recovery, right? Cause like you turn a corner, you'd have like an, a great day. I thought I was, I've had a, a day, like maybe two weeks after having the fever, you know, when I felt like completely normal. And maybe maybe for one or two days, it felt completely normal. Like, oh, okay, I'm better. I've turned the corner. And this is something that people talk about a lot with this, you know, with co- with COVID, is that like you think you're better, and then the symptoms are like or like you know keep coming back. And like so, that is is really difficult to deal with because you think that you're better and that you've turned the corner, and then you're not. So when that would happen, I was just I would try to focus the improvements that I had made from when I was the sickest. So I try to focus on the good, or I try to think about the things that were going right. Right. So there's that element of gratitude that's there. With the idea of other illnesses or other sicknesses, I can imagine something with children like chickenpox that, okay, well, there's so much information. There's so much data on that. We understand how to treat it. And when it's gone, it's gone. So yeah, 
Yes, absolutely. One of the things that I tried to avoid was like ruminating about, well, what if, what does this mean? Does this mean that, does this mean that I'm coming down with a secondary infection or does this mean mm-hmm. that, do you know what I mean? Like I tried to not ruminate, like it was good to sort of be informed and have a plan, but you can easily go overboard with that. So I tried like, like not to ruminate. I also try to think about how could it be worse? You know, there's a lot of people who, who died from this or who were in the ICU or who had permanent organ damage or things like that. You know what I mean? Or who even who had worse symptoms than me. I mean, I wasn't in the hospital, obviously, and that's great. But it's like, I mean, I don't know. This It was still the sickest I've ever been. Like, I'm blessed to not have ever been really very sick in my whole life. And this was by far the sickest I've ever been. So it's like, people people are like, oh, it's like a bad flu. No, it's not. Okay. I had a bad, had a bad yeah, flu in yeah. January. I would take the flu four or five times over compared to this okay because the flu at least for me did not involve shortness of breath it did not involve scary weight loss and all these other terrifying things yeah and the great the great unknown that goes with it as well yeah yeah no that that alone was very hard yeah it was also helpful to think that you know this isn't going to last forever and nothing you know it's not permanent there's a lot of talk within stoicism of okay we may see a danger at the present there may be a situation we don't like but we know that we've gotten through those difficult times before and things change. There's this element of change, progress, growth, yeah. and even being able to prevail. One passage from Seneca I really like, a lesson to be learned from the burning of lions, where a man has seen his community devastated, this great fire, but he looks to rebuild after this, that there was a temporary loss, but there's something to look forward in the future. What are you looking forward to? How are you rebuilding from this experience? It's a little harder now than normal just because of the, you know, everything being shut down and kind of the general uncertainty that's kind of hanging over everything at the moment, you know, I guess with uh, what's going to happen with this. I don't know, you know, our, I would say our lives are kind of austere anyway at the moment just because we have little kids. So it's not like even before this happened that we were always like going out, doing fun things, you know, like it is before you have kids or whatever. So it's like already I would say I had to sort of focus on more simple pleasures, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, ever since I've had kids, you know, so it's like, because it's a lot of hard right. work. We're trying to plan a vacation of some kind. I don't know. That would be nice to have that to look forward to. Right. Or maybe even something local like Atlantic City, if that reopens <laughs> soon. We're record- <laughs> recording here at the end of May, of course. So we're, we're, we're both uh, not too far away from there, maybe about an hour and a half drive or so. Yeah. So something to look forward to, meaning that, okay, this uh, shelter in place isn't going to be forever. Right. There's going yeah. to be an easing of the restrictions we're seeing here in Pennsylvania that some counties are moving from red to yellow. That's the it. same thing happening for New Jersey. There's a temporary easing of things yeah, when it gets it. to be safer. Has this changed your thoughts at all about other people, social distancing, wearing a mask? What is that going to look like for you in weeks to come? Yeah, it just this it just goes back to the sort of lack of information, which is really tough. Yeah, I've been wearing one when I go out, you know, I have to, I've been wearing masks and stuff. I don't know, you know, it's really hard to know exactly what to do, like how whether you can invite relatives or whether you can do I mean, I don't know, having had this, I'm and until someone tells me I have immunity, I really would be I would actually probably be more apprehensive about getting it again, having an exper- having experienced it once than if I had not experienced it. I think I'm more, right. probably more cautious now than I would have been. It's like when you haven't had it, you're just like, whatever, you know? I mean, and I know, I guess a lot of people, I guess there are people who are asymptomatic, you know? That's another thing that's weird about this is that some people become like deathly ill from it and other people have like no symptoms. It's just crazy, mm-hmm. you know? So 
Yeah, yeah. Within Stoicism, there's this cosmopolitan concern that we're going to be concerned about other people, the world, and see everyone as one big community. So yeah. to just willy nilly go out there would not be a good way to go. And I don't, I don't think that's the case really for anyone. Even some of the peaceful protesters we've been seeing, yeah. um, maybe not as much social distancing in all cases, yeah. but overall, I, I don't see any like perspectives of oh let's just open everything and go ham with this there's still the concern for others so that's nice to see yeah it would be good if there were if there were more of that you know it would be good if people were i don't know i was hoping that like sort of the pandemic would kind of lead to more like people you know um like more kind of unity like politically or you know people would come together more i was hoping that that would sound like a very little bit of that at the beginning but i don't know it just hasn't happened it's kind of frustrating yeah, it's turned into a political thing in many cases about a lot of the restrictions about what to do. And it's, yeah, it's a strange, a strange yeah. thing. So this hasn't changed the nature of what often can be divisiveness in the country. Yeah, I was hoping that it would. Although maybe there are still the the more local things that you can see as we can focus yeah, on the negatives. True. We can see, true. okay, for a, commu- for a community to participate and okay, I, I went to a grocery store the other day and we see that the grocery store has made some modifications that people are largely doing this distancing and working together and contributing and helping others. Maybe there are the cases out there where you say to an elderly neighbor, hey, I'll pick up some things for you at the grocery store so you don't have to yeah. go. Those little things that can happen. Businesses yeah, helping true. other people. Yeah. Some positives, perhaps. Can you talk more about gra- gratitude? We've mentioned that a little bit. Uh, what What have you seen coming out of this? Uh, some other meditations or thoughts on gratitude? When I thought I was better, it was kind of just like, a triumph, you know, you, I just felt so great. You know, I was just so glad it was, you know, it was over and I was just grateful for every little thing. It was harder to be, maintain that sort of level of positivity once the recovery was dragging out like four weeks, five weeks. It was harder, harder to do that. But I have been trying to focus on everything that's going right, like in my life or in the world. I started like a gratitude journal. I used to think they were kind of trite, but I felt like I really needed it um, just because it is so hard to stay positive when with such a long recovery, specific thoughts on gratitude. Um, but yeah, I do try to like, you know, just to be grateful for sort of simple things, you know, that my family are okay, that we sort of came through this okay, you know, that things could be much worse, you know, or just, just little things like, I, you know, I was able for the longest time, I like wasn't really able to get a grocery order in anywhere. And now that's changed. <laughs> so Mm -hmm. now like because when we were sick it was awful you know i had to have a friend go grocery shop for us and stuff because we couldn't go out because we were in quarantine and stuff so just you know Uh trying to be grateful for little things like that i don't know if you were looking for specific stoic verses but none are coming to mind at the moment you wrote before this with challenge comes opportunity this is the time to focus on things that you might have been too busy to do otherwise what, what are some things that you've done throughout the pandemic what is some opportunity that you find well see that's the thing you know like we lost basically all that because we were sick you know it's like so except however you know i have been able to within the last couple of weeks do more but I, you know at the very least we are able to spend a lot more time together as a family so i'm trying to be grateful for that you know but we were we were so sick that like we were we didn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't really, I could have been, if I had not been sick, I could have been productive with the time, you know, but I, you know, that didn't happen. Cause like it, it I was, it was so bad. I could barely go downstairs for a while, you know, let alone, I mean, I could, and I did, it's just, you know, I, I, we couldn't, I, I wasn't cooking. I wasn't doing, you know what? I had to do the bare minimum that me and my kids needed basically for a while. Yeah. You mentioned homeschooling. 
has has that been a part of this too? Gotten be able, been able to do it in the last couple of weeks. So yes, there's that. Yeah, and the, we planted a garden the other day. It's really been in the last couple of weeks that I've actually been able to like live normally again but yeah we did that we 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 we, um we gardened i like to have my son do that with me masonius rufus talks about you know farming as a noble occupation but yeah i've always liked gardening and i'm glad that i can still like do that at least because you know it's 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 i wouldn't call it exercise it sort of is but like i was able to do that with no problem you can find a sense of purpose in it right? You can involve others. It can be a family activities. Yes, exactly. So surely something to do. Yeah, yeah. I like involving my kids in it. So um, we did do that. Yeah. And a great a great time to catch up on some things, some uh, getting your financial stuff in order, maybe some physical cleaning, removing some things from your house or apartment, yeah. some just catching up on to-do items. Because before this, I would hear people say, oh, I'm so busy. I can't find time for this or that. But with these extra two or three months, at least when, of course, you're in better health, it's quite the opportunity to catch up and do those things you've been neglecting. Another member of my family also had, not that doesn't live with me, also had, um, and her husband had the coronavirus. And they, it was a similar thing, you know, nine weeks and she's still not 100%. So, like, basically, like, she, there are some support groups that she sort of would go on and stuff. But, yeah, like, if you, so if you, like, are talking to people who aren't sick, you know, who weren't sick. They're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm doing this and that, you know, I'm exercising. And it's just like, it's like a victory for you at times just to be able to do something so basic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And technology, quite a boon in these times. In ancient Greece or Rome, I I imagine that this would be a lot more difficult. We can at least stay connected with others. We can learn, listen to podcasts, YouTube, maybe PC gaming, something else, mixing leisure in as well. So the whole thing doesn't seem monotonous or we find ourselves burning out from perhaps being too productive. But yeah, I don't know. I was thinking when I was sick, like, well, you know, at least I can still be virtuous. You know, I I can still like try not to get annoyed, you know, with my kids or whatever, like that type of thing. Like I can still, you know, you can still have a good life if you're just, if you're a virtuous person. I don't know that I believe a hundred percent sort of the stoic um, view that basically all that is needed is virtue to live a good life. Cause like, I can imagine people who are really sick, like with like long-term illnesses, like way worse than this, you know, um, it's kind of difficult to I think I'm more Aristotelian in you know in that sense that but yeah I it, it did occur to me though when I was really the sickest that you know this shouldn't stop me from trying to still be a virtuous you know wor- work on myself you know make progress that type of thing right and even within stoicism there's a lot of talk about we won't be able to be this perfect individual that a lot of these virtues are aspirational and if we can't always meet them we shouldn't be we shouldn't beat ourselves up but yet we should still hold ourselves to a high standard. And even within Seneca and some other authors, they're not, as we would say, what, 100% stoic, because they're drawing things from other traditions. And Seneca himself even says, if you find some improvements, you don't have to follow past teachers 100%, that we're not to be slavish to past teachers when we find new information. We're constantly updating things. Yeah, absolutely. Were there other traditions that you drew from? Perhaps um, you you mentioned Aristotle, maybe some other philosophical traditions that helped you through this experience? I'm sure that there were, but I I can't think of anything specific. Like the coping techniques that I used, I think were probably more general. I don't know. I guess you could say like religious. I don't know. I did pray quite a bit. Perhaps a calming experience in that as well. Yeah, definitely you're going to be at home, you're still going to be with family. Do you do you plan on staying home for maybe another month, two months? When do you, if at all, plan on going back into 
society more fully? Well, it kind of depends when things open up here. I don't know. We're kind of debating enrolling my son at like a summer camp too, like whether that would be safe. I guess the governor said we can do that and he's going to open them in July. For me, it's kind of up in the air because I work I work part time as a librarian. So whenever they move to stage two reopening here in New Jersey, they're going to reopen libraries. I'll, I'll go back to work whenever I guess my work opens. I only work part time. So that's good, though. I only go in like a couple, like one or two days a week. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of uh, out of my control to an extent. <laughs> it's what, right, when right. we have the opportunity to uh, to do various things and whether we think it's safe or whatever. Right. And a big theme within stoicism too, recognizing those things that are within and outside of your control. Yeah, there's been a lot of this that's outside of my control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but the thing is how how we're reacting to it is the the big difference that's the thing that really matters whereas perhaps some people would have just really really gone into severe anxiety severe stress debilitated making the problem worse and i imagine um mental health concerns through this drug use has gone up yeah some other other problems within this um yeah social sphere well, let me tell you that there were obviously not the drug use part, but let me tell you there were certainly times when that was true for me as well. You know, of having anxiety. It's not as though I was like a sage through the whole experience. It was very, very difficult. Getting through it and the family still a, a good cohesive unit, still uh, getting along for the most part, although indeed sometimes can be more difficult yeah. when you're around the same people for such a long time without breaks. That actually wasn't a problem for us, you know, which is I think a good thing. Like a lot of, I, I've oh, read, nice. yeah, like I've read like, a lot of couples are like bickering and things like that, or they expect divorces to go up. And I actually really didn't. Oh, yeah. I didn't for the most. I mean, yeah, my son is five. He can be occasionally challenging, although he's really good most of the time. But other than that, like, you know, I didn't really have that problem. If anything, it was more the difficulties were from the outside because we were so sick, you know, just basic living you know, was hard. Fortunately, I did not have that concern. And any other work on your YouTube channel? Are you planning on talking about this experience? more fully or progressing with the channel in some way i actually have another channel i have a like a mom blog that maybe i'll do a video about it on that channel and my other channel but um i i'm gonna write a post about it um on my regular blog which is common sense ethics so yeah i wanted to write you know about sort of some of the things that we talked about about being more grateful for little things you know or being more grateful if you're not sick, you know, just out alone, something worthy of gratitude, you know, because this is a hard time for people, I think, in general. But like, but I hear people complaining about stuff that it's just like, come on, you know, try to be at least grateful <laughs> that you're not seriously yeah. ill or but that but then also, so, you know, about coping for people who are sick. Yeah, so I'll probably write a post write up a post about that. I don't know. I was like, I may maybe I will do something on YouTube. I'm kind of in the midst of this like Socratic dialogue on the ideal government. So I'm have a bunch I have some guests lined up for that. Actually, that was something I was working on before this happened. But yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, something to consider. It's it's nice that YouTube offers such a great experience to, yeah, just share your thoughts with the world and grow your presence, have some fun with it, build some community. So that's that's really nice. Every, everybody can have a platform. Sometimes that can be for the worse, but <laughs> overall, uh, nice to have some nice to have some open access on the Internet. Yeah. Right. I don't know. My husband said that I was really strong and held it together really well when he had to go to the hospital. And then when our daughter was sick. I, mean, I was glad to hear that from him. I definitely didn't feel that way <laughs> on the inside. Yeah, other other people have different ideas of, of how it was. So Yeah, well, because he's like, well, he's like, I can imagine. Maybe he's right. I don't know. Maybe I should give myself more credit, at least during that part of it. 
you know, because um, maybe I did hold it together. Well, I don't know. He said he thought a lot of people would have been like, you know, just completely have like, you know, lost it, basically, that whole situation. And then I didn't so that that was good. But there were times he said this too, like being sick with this where, you know, you were just racked with anxiety, like, you know, completely like the opposite of eudaimonia, like you were not main- maintaining mindfulness, you know what I mean? Like you were just completely just, you know, stressed and anxious. And but yeah, I'd like to think that I'll come away from this, you know, I, I might right now I'm sort of, I probably am not coming across as positive as I would like to. Um, because like having gone through kind of a traumatic thing, there's just sort of a period where you kind of want to get back to baseline. But I like to think that after this whole experience that I would be able to deal with things that are worse, you know, I mean, having come through this, and having dealt with it and having been, you know, more or less strong and dealt with everything that I won't be as troubled by little things in the future. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd like to think that I, that, that, that is what I will come away from this with, you know, it's like, well, this is nothing compared to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you mentioned, you know, people being in world war two, or we've seen yes. uh, Minneapolis and some other cities yeah. being on fire and local businesses just being God. really raided. Uh, people crying saying I've, I've just lost everything because my, yeah. my business was destroyed my life savings. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even uh, Stoics, they, they maybe even question this idea of baseline because we grow as we have experiences. Yeah. Things change, we're changed. We take on different roles following the experiences that we have. We could find some sort of new calling or new place for us to be as we're hopefully better than we were a year ago, a month ago, a week ago. And that's something to have some gratitude for as well. Yeah, that's very true. Another post that you had was five ways to avoid being manipulated and dumbed down by the media. <laughs> um, I, I imagine that some people have been really tuning into a lot of the 24-hour coverage and as a result, a lot of fear and anxiety coming from that too. Yeah, yeah, that was written a long time ago. That was even before Trump was elected. I, I've been critical of media for, for a long, long time. That was my husband and I, like when we were like sort of sickest, had to stay completely away from news. I, I don't like, I don't try to, I try to stay away from news anyway, but sort of this situation has sort of necessitated somewhat more news consumption than I would like, just because you have no idea what's going on, like whether things are reopening or whatever. Also, like I would be Googling medical, various medical, you know, discoveries and like research, you know, comes out every day. So sometimes yeah, yeah. I monitor that, you know, but like when we were at our worst, we were just completely avoiding the news because that anything, anything extra was just too stressful to have to deal with, you know, and most of it's negative. Yeah. And one, one thing that's nice, too, is that, I, well, I don't even own a TV. Yeah. I just have my computer. I, I mainly listen to things online. I read some sites that I follow so we can get a diverse perspective on things, not just one channel or one reporter or something, as, as you mentioned in the post, not taking sides politically, looking for all kinds of diverse viewpoints and trying to get to the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the foreign news has been better than some of the US news. And and maybe it can be good to take a break from that rather than being wrapped up and wrapped up and oh, what's happening next? What's happening next? And it could be very easy to see just a day going by and we're just sitting and staring at a TV throughout the day. We, ha- we don't yeah, we don't have cable. We haven't had cable for a long, long time. But um, I, I was more just like, you know, hearing stuff by t- social media or looking something up. Whenever I would look at the news when I was really sick, I would just feel worse than I did before. 
Yeah, and there's a concern politically that people, they're just trying to bolster their priors. That if you had this idea of, oh, well, we need this certain economic plan or we need this certain political plan. Oh, well, look, here's the virus and this is a reason we should do this. I know. And they're, they're, just try, they're just trying to use that as a political game on I all know. sides. I know. It's, so, it's very discussion. concerning. That's, an, that's another reason I, I'm try, I was trying to avoid it. Good. We're coming up at the end here. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add before talking about where people can find you online? Uh, I thought you were going to ask me about travel. <laughs> oh, oh, we touched, we touched on that earlier. No, I sure. didn't get to finish. We could, we could expand oh. more. Oh, great, great. Yes. Well, we had to cancel our vacation, unfortunately, because like we usually go, we have an RV, so we usually take it up to Massachusetts and camp with family for several weeks, you know, in the summer. But we had to cancel it because like, like a lot of stuff's closed and Massachusetts has like, they want you to quarantine for 14 days after you enter the state. So like that wasn't going to happen. So I don't know. I guess this this year we're probably just going to um, try to plan a local, like camping locally, like in New Jersey. We're going to take our RV someplace. So we'll probably try to do that. I don't know. I would like, when you talk about, yeah, looking forward to stuff in the long term, I eventually want to go back to Greece when my kids are a little bit older, maybe in two years. Yeah, I was just there for Stoicon in 2019. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got I got to attend that. I was hoping to go to the Canada event this year, but that was canceled. Oh, I didn't well. know. I hadn't. Yeah, I was wondering if it had been. We had been there twice, but it was quite a while ago now. I think it was 12, 12 and 13 years ago. We've been there. I don't know. It, I think it's it's kind of far away to go with small children, so maybe that won't work out. At least not so soon. But um, maybe then in two years is our going to be our ten year anniversary for our wedding. So maybe we'll be able to go to Scotland or Greece. I would love for that to happen. I hope that it does. And with uh, younger children, you could take advantage perhaps of the lap infant, so you won't have to uh, use additional points or pay for uh, more seats on the plane. <laughs> not anymore. No, I think they have to be under one to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Anyway, on a flight that long, I, I wouldn't want a kicking, screaming toddler on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the flight to Greece yeah. for me was, was quite no, long. No, it's really that's, long. That's something, really long. Yeah, that's something I miss. But I, I also reflect on stoicism, talking about the idea of preferred indifference, that there are these things that we would like to have that can increase our pleasure uh, or our quality of life in some way, yeah. but they aren't absolutely necessary. Uh, yeah. Try but. having kids. You'll lose most of your preferred indifference. <laughs> <laughs> I already had yeah, lost uh, most of my preferred indifference before coronavirus and coronavirus took out a lot of the others that were left. Yeah. You know, Ep Epictetus has some funny passages talking about little squeakers and some of the challenges that can come <laughs> with uh, having kids there. Yeah. But some positives too, yeah. that's for sure. Not, not all bad, not all good. Mm. Good. All right. And how can people find you online? Well, I mentioned before, my website is commonsenseethics.com. I also have a parenting blog. I wouldn't say it's not, it's not overtly philosophical, but I, I try to make it thoughtful. Um, that's commonsensemother.com. And then I also have a YouTube channel for Common Sense Ethics. So you can just search Common Sense Ethics on YouTube. Nice. Awesome. Awesome that you got those names, too. I, well, I imagine that there would be a demand for those URLs. <laughs> well, I've had the one for quite a while. So my, my blog has been my one blog is long established. But the other one actually just launched in January, the, the parenting blog. Nice. And on your YouTube channel, you've had Greg Sadler. You've had some other people within the Stoic community. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to be I would have liked to have done more of that, you know, but I had um we had a baby like two years ago. And so that's a lot more work. And so let's put a damper on YouTube. But yeah, I'm getting back into it. I'm doing the I'm doing this like Socratic dialogue, which is really fun, in which we try to discuss things in, you know, a, 
a Socratic way, in a reasonable way, like discuss political issues and political philosophy without the irrationality that you see so much. Yeah, very, very often it, it tends to be a contentious matter. People are looking to win the discussion rather than have a discussion. Exactly. That's, that's not good. Yeah, it was a past episode. I had a special guest on the show, Dr. Peter Bogosian, who was talking about his book, How to Have Impossible Conversations. <laughs> so that, that was a good thing that people can listen to from the past. Any, any more opportunities for the future, things that you're looking forward to after the smoke clears with the pandemic? I don't know. I mean, yeah, besides travel, I don't know. Not really. I'm sure there's plenty of things, but... Maybe maybe concerts, maybe some local groups or gatherings. Yeah, local groups and gatherings. That would be nice. Something like that would be nice. I don't know. Like I said, we don't do a whole lot of that because we have such young children. My husband and I haven't been to a concert for like... I think I was telling my uncle we hadn't been to one for like... I think it's been 14, 13 or 14 years. We just haven't gone. I don't know. I went to so many in my youth that basically I never need to go to another one again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, you've taken that. I think I've been close to a hundred, you know, prior to, oh, wow. prior to 25 or something, you know, being 20, you know, by my mid twenties, I've been to plenty. Yes. Uh, I, I got to attend a concert for a past podcast guest, the band Seller Darling, oh. they had a song called Tears of a Stoic, which was later renamed as Hullabaloo. And they specifically mentioned that they drew inspiration from Marcus Aurelius and Stoic oh, themes. Cool. So it was fascinating talking oh, cool. with them. Hope to see them live again and get to meet them once again. <laughs> so that'll be something to look forward to there. And indeed, more more travel. I have all of these credit card miles and points just waiting to deploy and go out into the world. But <laughs> right now it's just uh, yeah. being sequestered in the Philly area for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So some things to look forward to, that's for sure. As I, I think some people can take an attitude, oh, this is going to go on forever. But mm. it, it just can't last forever. It, it, it certainly won't. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope not. My God. The role of humor has been helpful on my end. Have you employed? Have you employed that at all uh, uh, throughout your experience? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Even when I was the sickest, I <laughs> yeah. When I was the sickest, I was cr- the one thing that made me crack up was that I was reading something about how to differentiate a panic attack versus shortness of breath when I first got oh, sick. Oh yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> the lady who wrote the article had said something like. Of course I'm panicking. Like I keep thinking I'm going to die and have to have a Zoom funeral. (laughs) (laughs) And that really cracked me up, although that's a bit morbid. So because it's and it's, you know, I was laughing. It's kind of black humor, though, because it's really awful that people have to have a Zoom funeral. But I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe some funeral businesses pivoting and doing that, uh, doing it live or just having some kind of big Zoom meeting. Yeah. Yeah. How, how how life has changed in the past two or three yeah, months. So. Yeah, but there's some black humor there because I don't know. It struck me as very funny. I was I was laughing at that, but <laughs> All right, very good. So again, commonsenseethics.com, common sense ethics on YouTube. And what about social media? How can people find you there? Common Sense Ethics has a Facebook page and Twitter and Pinterest. That's my favorite actually. All right. Very good. So reach out to Leah and stay tuned for more content here. Thanks everyone for listening and have a good day. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com for past episodes and social media links. Support my efforts through Patreon to receive special perks, including having upcoming guests answer your questions, custom-made podcast episodes, and private one-on-one calls to discuss whatever you'd like. Visit my other podcast at hurdygurdytravel.com to learn how to make money, 
save money, and travel the world at next to no cost with credit card rewards, deals, and loyalty programs. Podcast music, used with permission, is brought to you by Phil Giordana's symphonic metal group Fairyland from their album Score to a New Beginning. John Bartman offered free consultation and audio edits for episodes 51 through 63. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day.